Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Money Mitch Effect. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels, and as always, so delighted and overjoyed that you're listening to this sports podcast when we have a great one for you this week. Talking some March Madness, some NFL offseason news, some NBA hoops chatter. Uh, first up, we're going to talk March Madness with my boy Sean Sullivan, Sully Ball on Twitter. A lot to discuss in the final for the Blue Blood Invitational with Duke, North Carolina, Villanova, and Kansas. We break all that down, talk some other odd news and notes as well. And then Ryan Souls joins the program to talk about the NFL offseason, more movement, Tyree Killadolph in the quarterback rotating game. And we talk some NBA hoops, we talk some action on the hardwood, and uh, what we like, who we like going forward as the playoff push is about to start. Could the Lakers really miss it? We break all that down as well. It's Sean Sullivan, Ryan Souls on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, now joining us on the Money Mitch Effect, you know him by now, it's Sean Sullivan. Sully's here to uh, talk about another weekend of March Madness that had a good six sweet 16, an absolutely brutal Elite Eight, and it's setting up for kind of a blue blood invitational Final Four. But Sully, here we are with the final weekend of college basketball. You love it. It really has been. We were treated to an amazing opening weekend, and then that sweet 16 was, was sweet as it could get. But yeah, the Elite Eight was a little bit of a stinker, but... Hey, we got we got a we got a tasty Final Four coming up, so I feel like it'll come back around. Yeah, blue bloods, only blue bloods. And well, they, they're all all the colors are blue. I think yeah, legit blue bloods down in Bourbon Street. <laughs> uh, and if we're gonna power rank our four fan bases on Bourbon Street, everybody knows Duke's gonna come in last place. Oh, for sure. <laughs> well, let, yeah. let's let's just yeah, they're they're gonna have the least fun. We know that. But let's let's start with uh, you know giving credit to where credits due. I mean. When this tournament's done, I mean, if Coach K wins and goes out, that might complicate things. Oh, I thought things. we were going to power rank uh, fan bases. Oh, we could. Well, I think, I mean, Duke would be, well, I would go, I mean, if we're doing it right, I think it's got to go. sneaky. I would think Kansas is one of these four, you know, in terms of just taking, going out and having fun on Bourbon Street, you know, just experiencing the nightlife. I would go Kansas, Nova Ooh, Carolina, man, is, Nova Carolina is a tight one, Duke last. I could be talked either yeah. way. I would say I would say Kansas, North Carolina, Nova Duke. Yeah, would be the, yeah. Just off, just off the cuff. But North Carolina could could honestly take that first spot too. They they know how to do do things well there in Chapel Hill. Yeah, I just I'm trying to think too. I I feel like I feel if we're if we're expanding it to not just alumni but just fans of the program and just fans of the region. Like if we're really going to go Midwest, <laughs> you know, because mm-hmm. there's Kansas fans that are branching all over the country so and, oh yeah for sure and this is a destination to get to this is a good final four city mm-hmm. with all due respect to you know indy and maybe even some of the other ones like this is this is where you want to be oh yeah this is the dream final four location it's gonna be whoo, what a weekend of fun man saturday games you got the friday night going into it no games to worry about man that friday night knowledge would be a blast mm. Oh, yeah. It's going to be amazing. And the games start later in the day, so you don't have to worry about, you know, mm-hmm. the, the crawl out of bed uh, for anything like that. Would you say, Sully, it's fair after, you know, I mean, we still have the Final Four in the final, but unless mm-hmm. Duke wins, they're like, unless Duke wins and Coach K literally goes out with the title, I do feel like this tournament's going to be remembered for the Peacocks. Yes, 100%. I think that, that that's what America is rooting for, is a, is a Peacock tournament. They had a hell of a run, little, little tiny school, and here comes big bad Death Star Duke coming in trying to steal all the glory. I yeah, know. absolutely. Everybody would remember it for Kay's last last game. But to be honest with you, I think everybody's going to remember it for either way. This Duke-North Carolina game is going to be epic. First time they're meeting in the tournament ever. Of course, the last game and, and Cameron was such a fun event, and 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 Baycott, along with three of his other uh, Pat Forty, loves to bring up Umando Baycott and how much he just owned Duke in that game. But he he was one of four North Carolina Tar Heels in double digits on that game, and they they spoiled Coach K's last swan song. And man, if they do it again here as an eight seed. Whew, it'd be harder. It'd be hard to not remember the tournament for that. I agree, and I think the biggest problem that we're going to have, though, is if Duke wins, unfortunately, you know. Mm-hmm. So, 
Uh, well, I, I do want to just uh, give them a ton of credit for what they did as well. Uh, the first 15 seed to make an Elite Eight, they did it, you know, with uh, a couple nail biters there. Beating Kentucky in OT was kind of, you know, the impressive thing to win that game in OT when you thought that Kentucky would snap out of it. But then you right. know, they get they get through to the Sweet 16, and that's when the press catches up with you. That's when all the, you know, you have time to stop and think. And it's natural for that letdown to happen. Sweet 16 round, but they beat a Purdue team that has an NBA player, has a lot of hype going in, and they won that game down the stretch as well. So it did catch up with them against North Carolina, unfortunately. Uh, but it's a great, a great performance, legacy building, and obviously made that <laughs> made their coach a lot of money going into oh, what we yeah. think is happening with all certainty at his next job going back to the alma mater. Certainly, yeah. Going to Seton Hall, that's going to be a, a match made in heaven. It, it, instant, instant pump up for for Seton Hall. They're going to be good from the jump. You have to think, right? Every all eyes just on the St. Peter's run. Everybody knows about them now. Seton Hall's on the map. Yeah, you got to feel for the Peacocks losing their coach, but man, that's that's something I'll never forget. What a, what a run! When you're on Good Morning America, you know you made it. Yeah, and I was looking at it. I mean, it's understandable, right? Like, this is the, the cliche, like, have a run in a small school and jump. It happens. But he was, you know, the All-American at Seton Hall with Shaheen Holloway. Right. And, and he stands to make, oh, like, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to multiply it, but what, six, seven times what he was making before? You know, somewhere around For that. Sure. We'll see. Yeah. So yeah, it's you, understandable. You have to do it. Uh, but, no, it was uh, it was a great run. So, there, so North Carolina, though, you know, that capped off. As an eight seed getting to the final four, no small feat themselves. Obviously, they had the draw open up with them with St. Peter's, but they beat UCLA down the stretch, a game that UCLA was in control of until the last couple minutes where North Carolina, much like the overtime game against Baylor, down the stretch in that OT in Baylor, you know, they just started making some plays and you started to see why this team was kind of looked at as an underachiever during the regular season because they have so much talent. Right. I, I think that that. Duke game gave both North Carolina and Duke exactly what they needed. Duke needed the wake up call. Hey, you know, let's get the jitters out. We, we lost the last code, maybe sure, but we, it's time to play. North Carolina did the same thing. They've been a, a completely different team from that point on. And I, I remember watching this team, Tennessee boat raced them as they did a lot of teams throughout this year, but that was a completely different team, not on the glass like they are. They were, they're a bunch of ravenous dogs out there now the way they're playing compared to what they were in November. And it's got to, got to hand it up to them, man. They've, it's all what you do in March. And they've certainly completely looked different. And yeah, you, everybody picked, everybody in the world was on UCLA after their run last year. And here's North Carolina doing, doing a run of their own, like, like UCLA did last year. It's pretty insane, man. It really is. And it just mm-hmm. shows you that uh, you know, these seasons are pretty long. There's ebbs and flows yep. and that number by your name in the tournament doesn't really matter. So uh, no. Props to North Carolina for getting it and, you know, riding their ship and, you know, getting another uh, crack at Coach K, who, look, we'll be honest. I mean, if there's one, if there's an underdog or under, you know, a, a Duke team that we weren't really expecting to be here, at least going into the Sweet 16 round, there's so many yeah. people that picked against Duke early. And that's actually what made right. me nervous. The tech game, they were looking at the region, like Gonzaga, Arkansas, tough matchups, but. That's exactly what I didn't want to happen because, if anything, that kind of it looked like they came in loose, they came in fresh, and offensively, especially these second halves, just lighting it up. Right, no doubt. I mean, you, you they, they lit a fire under them against North Carolina, and then and even the you know the loss in the in the ACC tournament too. I think they it, they were really Coach K really doesn't care about those two games when it all comes down to it. And I think behind the scenes, he was pretty stoked. It's like, man, you guys are going to go through hell before the tournament, but we're going to get this thing right. And sure enough, they look like a different team. And uh, Ben Caro's making clutch shots. Roach looks looks amazing. Like, man, they're, they look fun. And, and you're right, loose. Very, very loose, especially in clutch time. And, and yeah, both these squads, I have no idea what to think about this game, but it's hard to go against Coach K right now. Um, you know, he's, he's he's got 50 games of wins over North Carolina all time in his career. So he, I'm sure he's looking for one more, and he's, he's got the experience. So hard, hard not to back him in this one. Four and a half is a lot of points, though. So Yeah, Oof. it's just somebody yeah. they've seen and they know, and it's not going to be a, it's not going to be players that they have to adjust to. 
Uh, but right. you know, last game, I mean, Paolo Bancaro was at a great tournament. That was probably his worst game of the tournament. He still was okay. Right. But they didn't even need him to really go crazy. Mm-hmm. We, we were talking about if it wasn't Duke, if it wasn't Coach K, this would be a pretty fun lineup. I mean, they're very athletic. Mark Williams at center. Roach has been unconscious mm-hmm. as well. Uh, this is this is a very talented squad, and the game's pretty fun. Obviously, it was going to get that main event slot uh, as opposed to the other side, Sully, where mm-hmm. you know the Jayhawks for a, a bunch of games in a row, basically until the second half of the Elite Eight game, they were getting by. They were doing just enough. It wasn't the overdrive. They didn't need it until halftime when they're trailing to a Miami team that you could argue is playing with house money as a double-digit seed in the Elite Eight. But right. that second half proved they're just as good. Their top level is just as good as any team remaining. 100%. And I'm, I'm worried for the Cats in this matchup because you got Obagi and um, uh, Lightfoot and McCormick, the three big guys that, that could do some damage. And Villanova obviously got a huge, huge blow with, with Moore. He, he was leading in minutes, 34 points a season. You don't the last minute guy. of the game, too. The last minute on a freak play where his legs buckle and, you know, you get the, the, the heavy-duty crutches out and you knew it was serious. I hate it. It's brutal, yeah. uh, you know, and that's going to be a loss for Justin Moore. But I will say, if any team is prepared to or, or prepped to deal with it, it's probably the team coached by Jay Wright. 100%. But, it, I mean, they're just not a deep team. That's what yeah. concerns you. But, I mean, it's Jay Wright. It, it, you can't count these guys out even with that big blow. So, I mean, you still got Gillespie, the, the 40-year senior that's been there since Jay Wright got there, I think. But, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it'll be fun. But I, I, I'm leaning, I'm leaning Jay House in this one. Yeah, I don't know on this one. This is, man, I don't know. I mean, the subplots are great for the final, in, in, in if whatever the final matchup is. Villanova and Kansas played in the Elite Eight a couple of years ago, I think, 2018, mm-hmm, I want to mm-hmm. say. Nova won that game. So if we talk about, here we are with yeah. Sean Sullivan on the Money Mitch Effect. If we talk about what's at stake going into this game, going into this weekend, obviously, you know, Coach K's legacy is set, but he can go out winning a title. You know, North Carolina for Hubert Davis, if he wins in his first year with War- with Roy Williams in the stands, just like, man, I retired a year too early. How many times does it look like yeah. you said that in the crowd? hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, the poor guy's been, been enjoying this run as a fan the whole time. But, yeah, but it, I mean, you got you to love it. that it, Hubert Davis, hell of a run that these guys have gone on, completely turned it around. So so good for him. I mean, it was it, not to say that his – seat was hot halfway through this year but they definitely didn't look like the North Carolina team that everybody wanted but yeah everybody's smiling and and uh in blue now yeah I I refuse to put anyone on the hot seat year one unless it's Scandal City you know behind the scenes and like you know it was I mean yeah he's answered all those questions but Duke could win the title they could beat Kansas who wasn't that Kansas was Coach K's first title, if I have that right. That's who he beat to win that title. I think it was Kansas back mm-hmm. in the day, so we can go out the way he went in on the title scheme. Or, you know, against Villanova, if that is the final, they want to, you know, don't want to just push North Carolina to the side, but just for the sake of, of hypotheticals, a Duke Villanova final could be, you know, the old guard versus the new guard. Because if Jay Wright, yeah, passing Jay, of the torch a little bit. Jay Wright's got two, and if he wins this one, he's got three. I mean, that would put him yeah. clearly as the guy for this generation, quote unquote, of coaches. Yeah, and um, um, it's it's Duke's got five, so shoot, Jay Wright's not that old either, so he no. can, he can climb that ranks. I mean, it, it's it's easy to see with the with the what does he have twenty two uh, uh, twenty one or twenty two tournament wins since twenty sixteen ridiculous right yeah, like, yeah and, that's and true you, you don't want to take this guy on in, in tournament time his teams are always locked and loaded and ready and that's that's why i hate taking kansas but i mean just the loss of your your, your dog in, in the last minute it's pretty big blow you got a week to prep but yeah, now I was because you know, I was looking it at the too. On the other guy, yeah. he's a chump either. It's not like no, he's just he, been running the Big Twelve. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're uh, no, they've been yeah, they've been just nasty. If you if you think about what they've done and how they've made runs and just the consistency that they've done, pretty much since he's got mm-hmm. there, um, had a couple down years, but not too many. Um, no, I mean he would have three. I mean Cal's got one, so it's like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, and, and, and they're think, oh boy, are they ready to run him out? Well, Woo! you gotta love that man. I mean, you, you think about it too with all that pressure on because Villanova doesn't 
typically have the the five star on I mean they'll have NBA level players for sure, but they're not the same level recruiting wise as a Kentucky would be. And and here's Villanova just getting and making deep runs every year. It's pretty impressive. Uh yeah, Kentucky, the sky is falling though. We all know that. Sky is falling. Uh the the big blue nation is not happy. Man alive, losing to the Peacocks, the Cinderella story, and uh, they they just had to sit there and tap their foot for two weeks while they they were still playing. That's the, that's the cherry on top for those guys. Man, that's got to sting. But yeah, I, I wouldn't get rid of him because who the hell are you going to go after? That's true. You know, like you're you're not going to get anybody better than Cal. Um, Jay Wright certainly isn't. He's at a basketball centric school right now. He doesn't want to jump into that fire. He he's got a lifetime contract. He has that thing rolling. You know, like that. I mean, that's about the only guy that, that I think can go in there and completely write the shit. So good luck. <laughs> good luck Aaron. indeed. So are we picking them? So you're going to go Kansas and Duke to meet in the final? I'm going with the favorites. Yeah, okay. I'm going with the favorites. I'm going to be a chump. Maybe parlay them both, get a plus 125 money line parlay on it and yeah. see where it goes. I'll say Nova finds a way to win, gives us Nova and Duke. But unfortunately, and I was ready to pick Nova to win, but I can't. It's shaping up for Duke to Coach K's farewell season to be perfect, but also the injury, man. It's just too much in that one. Can't go all the way. 100%. No way. Not the way Duke's playing right now. Not with with the team that's not as deep as you, you want to be at this point. So. It sucks, but hey, it's, it ain't going to be Jay Wright's last last no, go around. Definitely not his last, uh, and probably not Hubert Davis's first. The way that's going, not his only one in his mm-hmm. first appearance there. Uh, Sully, pleasure yeah. as always. Uh, and you got the number one baseball school. So how about that? Uh, yes. Oh my God, we got a guy throwing faster than any pitcher in the MLB, and he's just a closer. The, <laughs> the first round uh, pitcher, our Friday night starter, hasn't even thrown a pitch yet, and they're leading the country in runs. So shoot! Oh, and they just announced today that they're building a sixty million dollars stadium. So everything's good on uh, Rocky Top Baseball. Oh, it's great for you. Uh, unfortunately, you know, and I know you're. We we talked about this before. You're a, a Devils fan, but unfortunately, you know, oh, yeah, you, know th- you got some Devils on, uh, or at least one Devil draft pick up in Michigan, and he's just going to win a national title in the Frozen Four. Right, <laughs> taking on uh, taking on Denver. Right yeah. in, the, in the in the frozen four, going to yeah. be fun. Yeah, it's hard hard not to beat. You got a Minnesota State title too with Minnesota State and the Gophers going at it in the other and one. The Gophers so. on the other end, yeah, it's a tasty frozen. Four. Here's what I'd say it's too. Always a fun event. And here's what I would say too: the uh, college hockey's gotten so much better. Obviously, Michigan has like four of the top five draft picks, but yeah, it's ridiculous. Pay attention if you're an NHL fan because guys are going to start signing and making an impact in this playoff run. I mean, the big story, Oh yeah, the big one years ago was uh, Kale McCarr, the avalanche all-star defenseman literally played in the title game. And there was on the power play for the avalanche the next like two nights later. So I would say that that stuff <laughs> might not be, might be a little too out of there to be that guy, but there's going to be some depth guys that are going to be coming and playing. So, uh, you know, yeah. we'll see, man. And Hey, the devil's watch, watch, yeah. watch some college hockey. Now. Yeah. That's what, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Your devils are starting on the ice. Your devils are starting to, you know, look a little better, you know? A little better, yeah. Jack Hughes got got his hundred career points the other night. They've got some pretty good wins. They they won a shootout, which is nice to see. They always lose those, so that was good against against Canadians. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's another good draft pick, and then they'll be rocking and rolling. They're they're yeah. close. They just when they get just halfway decent goaltending or a, a above average. Yeah, in the league, so. and you're uh, and yeah, I mean for sure, and your defense and goaltending isn't as bad as the Red Wings, so you should got that. Yeah, we got that going. For it. <laughs> hey, Sean, Sa- Sean Sullivan, pleasure, my man, talking to you, and uh, we'll be catching up Always, soon. Really. It's uh, you know we got spring ball, so football season's right around the corner. <laughs> oh my gosh, I think uh, Pamela Maldonado said on the uh, on the Yahoo Sportsbook Daily today that it was 152 days away. 100 oh, from, God. Uh, from, from the first first game. Can't wait. Who's Cannot that? wait, my man. Well, appreciate you coming on the show. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me, good sir. All right, huge thanks again to Sean Sullivan. Always a pleasure talking some hoops to March Madness. Only one weekend left. We're going to make it a good one. Should be some epic games as Coach K tries to go out on top, but We'll see. Jay Wright, Bill Self, 
Hubert Davis, all working. So always a pleasure talking to Sully. All right, now we're going to talk NFL and some NBA with Ryan Souls. We've had an epic NFL offseason that's still going. We talk about all the movement there, the Tyreek Hill trade that was the newest domino to drop. He's now on the Dolphins, what that means for the Chiefs, his old team, as well as his new team and, and the landscape. We break down all those moves. And then we talk about the NBA standings, the Phoenix Suns, far and away the best team in the regular season. Who's going to win the MVP? Embiid, Jokic, is there somebody else out there? Giannis again. Will the Bucks defend their title? Lots of breakdown in the world of NBA and NFL with Ryan Souls. Here it is now on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, welcome to the Money Mitch Effect. Now joining us, regular friend of the show, Ryan Souls. Ryan, late March, still there's a lot to talk about. We got hoops, but uh, football remaining king because every day it seems like a new player is getting traded or signing somewhere else. Seriously, and I feel like every year I say this, but it just seems like the free agency just gets crazier and crazier with the signings and the trades. It's, it's been a hell of an offseason, man. Yeah, I do. I do think it's ramped up, and there's a lot of reasons for that. I think there's been some, you know, mobility. Players are, you know, having more uh, of a say in where they go, but also the teams are seeing that it's probably better to just cut bait and start from fresh rather than just hang on to a disgruntled player uh, for all these years. Uh, I think the quarterback position is part of it too, because that's something that we had never really seen. And whether it's you know, like anything in sports or in life, like a process, like the Peyton Manning signing, then you had some of the, and Tom Brady, of course, you've had some younger guys go, but now we're in a, you know, we're in a setting where a top five, top 10 guy in Deshaun Watson is, you know, in his own set of circumstances, we're starting to see Russell Wilson, way more younger, active quarterbacks at the top of the list, get their way and get out and go somewhere else. Yeah, and I think, you know, a, a lot of things are unprecedented. And I think, one, you know, we kind of pride ourselves as being football nerds and, you know, historians of the game for as long as we've been alive, you know, in that short period of time. But, you know, and you tell me if you see differently. First thing, I don't think we've ever seen, at least in a conference, the amount of quarterback strength ever just from top to bottom the conference is just loaded with a bunch of really good quarterbacks and then secondly I think we're in a completely different era now where you know 15 20 years ago and this is no respect to these guys but if you had the right pieces you could win a Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer or Brad Johnson you know you could get close with a Jeff Garcia or you know, guys like that. And now you need a bona fide face of the franchise guy to even compete uh, for a title. And I don't think we've ever seen that. Well, I mean, here's where I would kind of push back. I think there was that 90s quarterback boom. I think it kind of dipped a little bit in the 2000s. And I think everybody, you know, across the board, how athletes kind of work, it's like everybody's gotten better. Because I don't know that you would consider. Would you consider Matt Stafford like a face of the franchise type guy, the team that just I won mean, the Super Bowl? Not before last year, but I think now. I think yeah, I don't I know, just, if I would, but I think a lot of GMs might. Yeah, I mean, I I understand that at this point it has to be a step up than some of the guys that have won Super Bowls. But I I do think that you know if we were to make our list, I mean, there's like a there's like a surefire. T- you know, top five, top seven, we'll say that it's going to be a preference thing and then it's going to be year to year. But I I think I think the Brady one was the one that proved that you can build short term, like right away around a quarterback in his first year. You know, you could guys want to play, they'll take less money. It's kind of that NBA style approach to building a roster with some veterans. And I think that's really what changed it. The receiver thing is fascinating too, because I was going back and looking, and we'll get to the Tyreek Hill thing in just a second, Devontae Adams, but I thought it was DeAndre Hopkins that really opened Pandora's box in that regard. He was the first in this new era, real big time, not yet even hitting his prime receiver that got dealt right away and then completely transformed the offense that he joined. Yeah, and you know, and I think that just you have to give the credit really to the Italian evaluators because, yeah, I don't – he might not have been yet in his prime, but I think – 
it was clear and evident just based on even before Watson got there, the bad quarterbacks that he was playing with that as soon as you got him with somebody who was halfway competent competent at the position, he was going to catch 100 balls a year. You know, no one would, you know, see him do this, lead the league in catches, you know, those consecutive years and the numbers that he put up. But, no, I agree with you. Um, the receivers are getting a ton of money, and it's it's weird because, you know, just listening and reading uh, Bill Walsh, he always said, you know, good teams look at adding receivers kind of as a luxury. You kind of build uh, from the interior. You have a good quarterback, and then you can kind of add receivers last. And I just wonder what the old West Coast – coaches kind of the godfathers would think about these receivers getting huge amounts of money it's right yeah i mean it's it's crazy in one sense and taking into the tyree kill trade to miami um first from the kansas city side it's gonna suck losing him understatement for sure i actually Mm -hmm. thought andy reed's answer today was pretty straightforward it was the cap there's no hard feelings and we talked about this too you can't you know, pay everyone. You've got Mahomes' salary skyrocketing up for a percentage of what he's making now, which is obviously deserved so based on the quarterback contracts. Uh, I understand it, and I understand that with, you know, there might be a short-term setback for this team, but you have Mahomes, you're going to have a chance to build around him. You're going to have to make these tough decisions. And, you know, the return was interesting. It's it's all a matter of, you know, how much do you think Tyreek Hill is worth in terms of, of what you're what you're getting back picks wise, it's always going to depend on how they nail the picks, right? Like if they if they draft well, we'll say look at everything that they got. It could be Herschel Walker at Herschel Walker asked in terms of a trade, but if not, you know if they make bad picks and Hill starts to have a couple good seasons in Miami, then it'll be looked the other way. So I understand the trade uh, from Kansas City's side. It's a tough decision, but one you have to make uh, in the modern NFL. And and I'm happy that this system exists because you know I like the fact that there is some parity in this league. Yeah, I, you know, I do too. And to be honest, this trade kind of calls to mind a lot of thoughts. I think, number one, just speaking from the Chiefs standpoint, uh, just from an on-the-field uh, thing, you know, we were – I'm not going to argue with anybody. And I would say, too, that, you know, Devontae Adams is the best receiver in football. And you might follow that up with Cooper Cup. And then, you know, it kind of gets debatable from that point on. But – I will say that Tyreek Hill is probably the guy, the receiver at least, maybe even offensive player, that defensive coordinators had to account for the most in their game planning Mm -hmm. outside of Lamar Jackson. And I think that for a bunch of defensive coordinators, especially in the AFC West, they probably had a package of stuff that they would like to do defensively, but they can't when they play the Chiefs because just by having him on the field, he's going to exploit some of the things you can do coverage-wise. There's not another person like that in the league. So in the short term, you're going to lose something for sure. But I think to your point, I think we're kind of seeing Andy Reid really try to repeat this Bill Belichick method. They have Pat Mahomes locked up for a long period of time. They're going to try to move on from deals um, before it's too, uh, before it's too late, do it early rather than late, and see mm-hmm. if, you know, really see where they put their money, if that's where they're going to get the return. They locked up a quarterback for 10 years, and, you know, I don't think anybody is looking to try to get six Super Bowls in a 20-year run, but if they can have, you know, half the appearances, then, I you know, I think it, it might be worth right. it. Right, that and what we were talking about, you can find value at that position. There's been tons of good second, third-year receivers that have been beasts that are on all the Pro Bowl teams now, and they're still in the market to maybe trade for someone. We'll see. We you know the Seattle receivers are out there, uh, mm-hmm. and and yeah, just to just to kind of go back to what you said in terms of game planning. I mean, it's basically I, I agree. I mean, Tyree Kill is such a threat that you have to watch what you're doing there. And the only other guy on offense I can think of in the league would be Derrick Henry when he's healthy. Lamar Jackson. Well, yeah, those those I mean, one for each position, right? It's like Derrick yeah. Henry at running back is <laughs> you have to completely you know be aware of what he's doing. 
Mm-hmm. And and the argument of who the best receiver is, it's so tough because a lot of times it is quarterback dependent. You know, how do we know who really is the best based on, you know, if they have a great QB throwing the ball to them and what the scheme is. So mm-hmm. uh, I agree, though, with, uh, I mean, like, Hill obviously made the right decision if, if it was a decision, Miami over the Jets. I mean, come on. Yeah, and, you know, the crazy part is, and I can't believe, you know, there's a lot of smart football people out there, some way smarter than others who have, you know, talking heads in the media. But it, now that this happened, it makes perfect sense that after Devontae Adams gets his paper, that Tyreek Hill is going to look up and say, wait a minute, I just, I've won a Super Bowl in the last few years. Yeah, you can call him the best receiver, but I'm the receiver who just got a ring. I'm the fastest guy in the league. And, like Devonte Adams scares you, but Tyreek Hill can make the argument not like me. Mm-hmm. So it kind of makes sense that he was going to try to get that money as soon as Adams got his. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting one uh, to say the least. Uh, and finally, somebody leaving uh, the AFC West because you know you got the uh, the Chiefs who are still going to be in the mix. Obviously, Russell Wilson to Denver. Uh, the Raiders with Devontae Adams. And uh, let's not forget the Chargers, Ryan, on the other side of the ball. You get Khalil Mack. So now you have Bosa, Khalil Mack. I mean, that that is <laughs> that is and something. You, and you didn't even mention Derwin James. No, when no. He, he's 100% healthy outside of Aaron Donald. He might be the best defensive player at his position. Well, I mean, I, that division uh, is scary stupid in a lot of ways. I mean, I mean you could just forget offense and go defense with guys like Max Crosby tearing it up. And we don't even know what's going to happen to the Honey Badger as well. So this is going to be a fascinating division for sure. Um, and I just wanted to bring up the point that, you know, there are other quarterbacks in that next tier, whether they're, you know, a cut below or if they're even going to last. Like, so – Tua, we're going to know really quickly, you know, if he has it because Waddle and Hill are explosive. McDaniel McDonald is the new head coach; is going to do well there uh, to try to get them the ball in space. Uh, and then on the Raiders side, I mean, Derek Carr. I mean, that that is giving him the opportunity to play with his college teammate. And I looked up those stats when they were together in college at Fresno State. It was just stupid. I think Devontae averaged close to two touchdowns a game. Yeah, that's insane. I need to go check that out myself just to see what that was about. But, you know, I'll say this, and this is no shade to Derek Carr. When you're the, when Derek Carr is the fourth worst quarterback in that division, but he has the best wide receiver in football, that, that just says everything you need to know about that division. And, you know, I think a lot of people are underselling the Raiders. I think a lot kind of depends on what Josh McDaniels wants to do. He really hasn't had that great of a track record just kind of based on his past with, you know, leaving the Colts at the, uh, at the altar and then, you know, kind of his issues in Denver. So it'll be interesting to see what he's learned, how he's matured. But if he can be one of those Belichick branches that really can bear some fruit, I think they can really be dangerous because I don't care who you are. You got to, um, figure out how you're going to deal with Adams, Waller, and Renfro on defense in that division. And you play them twice a year. Anybody can get got. They can. And we'll have to see what Russell Wilson looks like again uh, coming off of you know his year. Paul Hackett, the head coach who worked up in Green Bay. Uh, it's fun to see. Uh, Ryan Soles here on the Money Mitch Effect. Uh, before we switch sports here, did also want to point out, I want to mention, it's a big day for the city of Detroit. They got the draft in 2024. And they got Hard Knocks next year. So get ready for Dan Campbell on Hard Knocks. Yeah, that's going to be good. You know, I I figured that was going to be the reason they got Hard Knocks was because of Dan Campbell and how good he is in front of a camera. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, This is Jared Goff's second time on Hard Knocks, I believe. Yeah. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. And has Detroit been on Hard Knocks before? I, don't I, can't, so. I, I don't think they have. I think that was part of the, the reasoning, yeah. too. Yeah, um, as bad as they are, I'm shocked. So, uh, yeah, this will be interesting. I'm going to say, too, is with that division being down for a while, if if they can get something going, I mean, it wouldn't be out of the realm for them to have a okay season. You know, the Vikings don't really scare teams anymore, <laughs> and the Bears are still kind of in disarray. So, it's yeah, there. Yeah, I ain't that scared of the Packers. So... 
I and you know I I think Green Bay is obviously like they are going to draft a receiver in the first round. That streak is going to come to an end, and then you know we'll do the draft prep later next month when we get towards that. But you know oh. I think my guy Chris Olave it would be a perfect fit there. I mean I think a bunch of guys will want Olave. You see how fast he ran, so I, yeah. I think he's a proven receiver. He played against Big Ten competition. At a proven school, great receivers have come out of Ohio State. I feel like he's going to be coveted. Well, Garrett Wilson, too. I mean, Wilson's going to go yeah. first round also. And uh, unfortunately, if it wasn't for the injury, you know, and he still might go first round, but the OSU transfer to Bama, Jamison Williams, is probably going to go. I mean, and that's what we were just kind of getting to is that the receivers that have come into the league recently, you know, it's just the depth has been outstanding. And these guys yeah. make a name, make an impact right away. 100%. And I think. You know, half of it is, you know, evolution and players just getting better and being able to study and learn. I think the other half of it is credit the office of coordinators with not being as rigid as they were 10, 15, 20 years ago with trying to force fit everything into their system. They're literally looking at the players that they have and trying to maximize their abilities within the scheme instead of the other way around. So before we go to hoops, uh, how do you think the the last thing? How do you think the final stops of the QB carousel go for Jimmy G and Baker Mayfield? And it's going to be really interesting. Um, I think Jimmy G could end up staying put. I think with the with the shoulder and he and he did that kind of. I don't want to say is like a screw you, but it was the timing of it was like okay, you don't yeah. want me. Well, and I understand it honestly. Like <laughs> it's not. Right. I understand it. Yeah, I mean, if his money good and he don't mind coming back late, that's fine. I would want to be out there, but I think, you know, he'll end up sitting just because his value is low. And then Baker Mayfield, like the thing with him, you know, we can go all the way back, me and you, when he was coming out. I always thought he was a tad overrated, but I think now he's actually crazy enough turned into an underrated player. He's good enough to be a starter in this league. Um, he needs to be completely healthy. It was stupid for him to play injured to the degree that he played. And I don't think there's a place for him right now, sadly. It seems like Seattle is cool with having um, Drew Locke. And it seems like Pittsburgh ain't going to move unless the Browns cut him, which they would be responsible for salary. So that, That's the thing, man. It's going to be hard. $18 million and... That is a lot of money. So does he sit out and forfeit that? I could, I can't see that happening. And you know, and I get the teams that don't want to pick that money up. I get it. It's like, hey, we're not. This probably isn't going to be the franchise guy. Maybe it is, but you know, they want us. They want to buy low. That'll work. I mean, definitely. And you never know what can happen. I mean, he he is a competent enough quarterback where sitting behind somebody could be the best thing that ever happened to him. He gets fully healthy. He gets a slice of humble pie. And, you know, he could turn into Rich Gannon down the line. You never know. Because we've seen ability. We've seen the flashes. It's not like this guy has come out and looked like Ryan Leaf. Like, that's not the case. And I think <laughs> yeah. because of the letter, because of the tweets, he's being treated that way because of kind of the social media behavior. He's being treated as being worse than he is. Yeah. I can't believe I'm defending Baker. Mayfield. I know. I, I just, just the final thing, hopefully I'm done talking about him too, but he's only, I mean, the word bust is thrown around too strongly, but it was bad, bad return for the investment where he was drafted first overall, you know? Absolutely. And that's the thing. Like, doesn't mean he can't play in the NFL to some regard, but he was the number one overall pick. We have standards for that. You know, Miles Garrett, number one overall pick, showing why every Sunday. So Absolutely. I mean, to be honest, you go back and look at the 2018 draft, people got it wrong, all wrong anyway because the number one and two would have been Jackson Allen. Mm-hmm. So that's how it would have gone. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, Darnold, Mayfield, all of it, you know, we – we have the a preconceived notion of what we thought and what we see. And even you know, even Barkley, man, that's a tough one too at two overall. Uh, yeah. Considering that after Donald at three, it went Denzel Ward, who's doing well for the Browns, obviously Bradley Chubb, Quentin Nelson, Josh Allen. Uh, yeah, I mean there's and that's how drafts work. I mean there's mistakes there, you know. Yeah. So it's like your Eagles, man. You're gonna have a lot of picks. Better <laughs> better be able to nail at least some of them. Man, it's crazy. Like we were talking a little, me and you were talking a little bit about this. I had no idea what to do. Like I don't know if the Bill Belichick move and trade back to get more picks. There's so many holes. I, I just I don't know mm-hmm. what you do. 
I, they typically don't make bad decisions with the exception of JJR Sega Whiteside. Yeah. Yeah, that's that was a bad one. The receiver thing was tough for a while. I mean, Rieger, we'll see. But I think Devontae Smith's going to be good. So I do, too. We'll see. All right, uh, let's let's talk some hoops here, Ryan. Souls on the Money Mitch effect. Um, I wanted to just kind of start with this before we get going. Um, it definitely feels like we're not we're not hyping up. Maybe is the wrong word, but this seems like a a classic season for the Phoenix Suns. And maybe it's because they haven't won before, because it's Chris Paul, you know, that's had his issues in the playoffs. But just objectively looking at it. Ryan, I mean, there hasn't been a team kind of in their sphere for sphere for a lot of this year, and you know what they've done, how they've won close games, uh, a bunch of them. They were eleven and four without Chris Paul last night. I watched a good amount of that uh, Philly game as we record this, and you know Devin Booker, like he made sure that he was the better player than James Harden in that game. So I I've been impressed with him and this team's growth. Obviously, a lot can happen, and they haven't done it before, gone all the way. But this is clearly the best team in basketball right now. Yeah, this is definitely the best team of basketball by record and by play. You know, I think by the time we get, you know, to the, the finals, I don't know if it'll completely shake out that way. But right now, man, they look, they look unstoppable. But it's, it's a really, really, really interesting bracket on both sides. We we talk about the the East so much and how stacked it is, but I think the West is a good mm. bracket too, and it's it's going to be really interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. It's interesting. I just don't know in the West that they're like, the East is stacked. Whoever comes out of there, battle tested, could obviously win the championship. Uh-huh. A couple months, about a month or two ago, looking at it, I thought, okay, Suns Warriors. Just no disrespect to the other teams. Uh, if Steph's not healthy, obviously that completely throws them out of the mix. But when right. you're just looking at it from who can actually go all the way, it's similar to what we've had in the past when LeBron was at his reign, when Kobe was at his, Duncan Spurs, like you're going to have to go through the top teams. I don't know that Memphis, and they've had an unreal season, John Morant, we gush over him, but are they ready for this type of run in year one? I'm just not so sure about it. Yeah, I think Memphis kind of needs a, another run or two of this just to get a little bit battle-hardened. Uh, you know, they could surprise us, anything can happen. But I do think the team that is shaped up to kind of be that Memphis sort of Cinderella role, honestly, is Dallas. And mm. I think, mm. you know, <clears throat> I think this is kind of prime time for the way we've seen how we saw Luca play in the bubble, how we saw him play last year in the playoffs. He's finally got a squad around him that seems to work with what he does best. Jason Kidd has clearly learned um, from failures in Milwaukee and being on the sideline with the Lakers. Um, I think he's definitely learned a lot. And I think Luka is poised to not necessarily <clears throat> do, you know, LeBron-esque, but kind of put the team on his back almost like a 22-year-old LeBron did. I don't think, um, you know, he'll they'll get to the finals by any means, but I think that this Dallas team of Luka – gets hot, I think they're capable of being any team in the West. I really do. I would agree with you except for the Suns. Like I'm not I'm not there. But, you know, hey, um it's possible. I just think four through seven is fascinating, right? Like you have Mavericks, Jazz, Nuggets, Timberwolves, and you know, forty six, forty five, forty four, forty three wins, like all separated by game all the way yeah. down. And they're so in one sense, they're star dominated, right? Like Luca's having a great year obviously for Dallas. Uh, Jokic, you know, what can you say? And the Jazz maybe not so much, but they've had the struggles in the playoffs. So teams are, you know, we're trying, we're not really taking them as serious as before because we don't know what it's going to look like in the playoffs. But it's another good regular season. And then what Cat's done in Minnesota, I mean, how he's kind of—I don't want to say transformed himself, but he's put it together. And and maybe that's a lesson for all of us out there that it could take time, you know, to be a, a truly great player in this league. We just assume yeah. that because the special ones can do it in year one or two, that everybody can. Absolutely, and I think it definitely takes time. I think, you know, Cat is kind of a unique circumstance, too, just because he's been through so much in his life, and you can tell that that has kind of changed his outlook and how he goes about things. And, you know, I'm not in his head. I have no idea if that has an impact on how he plays basketball or if having, you know, guys like Ant-Man and Patrick Beverly in the locker room kind of make you – 
you know, play kind of outside yourself a little bit. But whatever we're seeing, it's definitely a transformation. I don't think they're going to make too much noise this postseason. I just don't think no. they're at that point yet. But I think if Cat continues to play like this, we're going to be talking about him alongside Embiid and Jokic as potentially one of the best big men in the game, if not the best. Yeah, I mean, he's a couple he's a couple tenths of a rebound away from a double-double year, and he's a better shooter than both those guys from the outside. So uh, I do think this is year one of maybe them finally building something after all those years. Uh, right. But no, it's, it's looked good. Um, it hasn't looked good for your Lakers, though, man. That is just brutal to watch. It's like, it's like they're a caricature of a bad team now, which is hard to believe. Man, seriously, like it is a train wreck on fire. It's almost comical to watch. I I mean, they're up by 20 points yesterday in that game against New Orleans, and everybody's like, well, watch, watch them blow this game, and it happened way faster than most. But th- their defense is atrocious. Like I, I, I was trying to pay attention. Like LeBron can still score. He was banged up. Davis obviously being out. But their offensive rhythm is just guys that are, you know, everybody in this league is an NBA player, even the even the players that we don't know. So they've got some guys that can get hot on offense like any team, but they don't really have an offensive identity other than let's see what LeBron can do. And their defense is just so bad that teams are never out of it because they can get easy buckets, like get to the rim with ease. I mean, that was obviously with Davis out, it's different, but I mean, they're just not, they're they're not inspired and we know what it's going to mean for the offseason, just a bunch of bad things. But I keep coming back to this, Ryan. It's like you can't really be throwing away years of LeBron's career at this point. No, you can't. And I think some of that is on LeBron himself. I think a lot of that is on Vogel. Uh, Just because, you know, you're supposed to be a defensive specialist and your team was horrible defensively. But I think a lot of that has to do with personnel, too. That's the biggest thing for me is I just think the roster, and you could say is that LeBron's impact, is what input is he having, how much does Vogel have, but... I think it starts with the personnel. Even with 100%. Davis being out, the moves that they've made clearly in the offseason have let them down. Absolutely, and especially hearing what moves were on the table and what they could have done, how they could have had DeMar DeRozan, or they could have had Buddy Hield. Uh, if they weren't so cheap, Caruso would still be on the team. Uh, just stuff like that. And I think um, you know, a lot of the common fan don't doesn't understand how important – you know, glue guys and role players are. But guys like Caruso, you know, guys like KCP, even though, you know, he would give me a heart attack sometimes, you know, like they, the attitude and the culture that they set in that building is just completely gone. And uh, don't even get me started on Russell Westbrook. Yeah, that hasn't been good. Uh, but again, I don't think it was a great fit there. Um before no. we get before we get to the Eastern Conference, though, Ryan, I mean, I want to ask who you think the MVP is because it's it's a fascinating race and it's probably going to go down to the wire. Man, it's tough. I think it really is going to come down to the wire. Um, if I had to pick, like, like how many guys do you think are in the race right now, legit? So I, I yeah. honestly think four guys are in the race. I think okay. Joel is in the race. I think Nikola Jokic is in the race. I think Giannis is in the race. That's where I and cut I think- it off, by the way. Okay. Okay, and I think Booker's in the race because okay. here's my thing. And in, in, in any other, um, in any other season, in any other circumstance, we are always rewarding the top scorer slash best player on the team with the most wins, especially if they have sixty wins already. And I think he gets punished by having Chris Paul, just like Chris Paul gets punished by having him in certain things like this. But I think he absolutely needs to be considered, considering how well they're playing. I would uh, agree that he's in the mix. He's kind of in that next tier for me. A guy like Jason Tatum's under the race with Boston being in the mix for the one seed. Um, I would, I would obviously consider him in there. Uh, and then probably my capped out spot would be Luca as that next tier guy. So those would be the next three. John Morant, you could say, might be in there as well, but. Uh, I think it's those big three. And I think Giannis, honestly, like I, I, I feel like it's the fatigue. It's that LeBron. It's that you know he's won it a few times. Yeah. I don't think he's going to get as fair a shake as he should. Uh, that said, the other two are very deserving. Um, and maybe you could say the same about Jokic having won it last year. I would lean Embiid right now, but and, and maybe that is. I want to see how Denver finishes out, but. It is it is tight. Embiid, Embiid down the stretch has played great. I think he's scored over 30 the last four games. 
Uh, he's yeah. he's a shade under thirty a game for the season. Uh, he's doing it on the glass as well. Uh, with uh, Jokic, uh, you know, Jokic's rebounding is insane though. Thirteen point five. I mean, and Jokic, I, I don't understand it. I, I feel like he is the one that doesn't get looked at as as elite as he is because I think he might have the hardest job of all of them. Ryan, he basically runs that offense from the low block. Yeah, he absolutely runs the offense. He brings the ball up. They run plays for him at the top of the key, which is nuts to me. He shoots the three. I mean, he does everything. And I think if this team um, had Jamal Murray or Michael Porter Jr., I think their standing would be mm-hmm. a lot better than the West, too. I feel like, like any of these three are good, but if MB doesn't get it, I don't want to say we know how Philly fans are, but because he doesn't have one and the other guys do, it's going to be looked at as another slight or another snub, when in reality I think all these guys are deserving. So I don't have a problem if one of these three wins it. It's it's a fair, good race down to the finish. And if the Sixers clinch the one seed, then maybe I think you you got to lean that way. Uh, but how about, the, how about the Celtics, though, Ryan? I mean, catching Miami tied in, you know, two teams going in different directions, six straight wins for the Celtics, four straight losses for Miami. Uh, sticking with Boston, though, Tatum stepping up. Marcus Smart's probably playing the best basketball of his career, and it just seems like all the pieces are finally fitting for the first time. Now, having said that, Robert Williams has got a major injury, so he's probably going to be out for a while, which is a blow. But, I mean, the Celtics, to get to this point, has been pretty remarkable. Yeah, it has been, considering where they started and how we thought Ime Udoka was in over his head and how, you know, they look completely different now. You know, I think, uh, like you said, losing... Robert Williams is huge, but, you know, their defense has been really good, and I think they can definitely make some noise in the East. They'll give anybody a series. And I think Jason Tatum, I'm not ready to say he's ascended to that superstar status yet, but I think he's at that point to where uh, he can definitely take over a series against anybody, and it's just up to, uh, you know, Jalen Brown and the others to kind of hit their shots. But, I think they're dangerous. I I don't for some reason I can't trust them to go all the way. They just they feel like there's still something missing when you mm-hmm. come up against a Kevin Durant or a bona fide superstar. But it's been really cool to see what they've done. The play-in tournament is kind of crazy because you have a seven seed, not just because it's the Cavs, but they're five games out of the one seed. You know, mm-hmm. one through four are separated by a half a game. Uh, it, it's going to be a, a a pretty strong race, and I think seeds are going to really be thrown out in a lot of ways in this round. Miami's struggles, though, are, are kind of alarming. And, and I mean, you can start with Jimmy Butler going completely off the deep end and threatening to fight everybody as coach, Giannis Haslam. Uh, mm-hmm. And I like Jimmy Butler's intensity most of the time, but you can't be just losing it on your own guys like that. No, you can't. And, you know, I don't know if this feels like, okay, this is kind of one of those typical Miami Heat blow-ups when they have a really good team and they kind of just need some internal turmoil so they can take it out on the on the opponent. I don't know if it's that or if there's really some stuff going on because we've just seen it a lot with Pat Riley-influenced teams, even the, the, the LeBron Miami Heatles or whatever you want to call them. There was some internal stuff, uh, and then – it kind of brought them together and they were able to go forward. So I wonder if that's the case here. Uh, it'll, I, I'm just, I'm really interested to see because even though they're having these issues, I wouldn't want to play a, a series with them. If the heat were, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll ask it this way. Who would be your teams one through three in the East that you would say most likely or, or most likely to make a run to the finals. So throw out numbers. Who would you say your top three are right now? Cause the standings are so tight. Okay, so I would go at number three, I would go Philadelphia. Okay. At number two, I would go Brooklyn. See, I, that's why I asked this question. We're in lockstep here. Yeah. And number one, I go Milwaukee. I think I, I think I agree. Um, Boston has been coming on, and maybe I would swap them with Philly because as great as Embiid is, yeah. get ready for the James Harden show in the playoffs. And the fact and the fact that they're playing DeAndre Jordan so much. I mean, did, is, did I miss something? <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense to me. Like, I just, I mean, I've seen it. I've seen this guy in the league the last couple of years. So, yeah. uh, Brooklyn is like, if Brooklyn gets the eight seed and Miami is the one, 
I mean, what do you think the odds makers are going to have? I feel like Brooklyn could be the favorite in that series. So yeah, that, I that's think you're the favorite. I mean, and that's the thing. It's like if if Brooklyn gets a, a I don't even want to say favorable draw, but if they're able to get out of the play-in tournament and then, you know, what happens in the series is that this is my argument for we should be back at best of five. Cause I loved best of five when it happened. Cause anything could happen in best of five. Right. I agree with that a hundred percent. But no, it's, it's fun to see. I mean, Brooklyn and, and what they're going to get going forward offensively, you do, you do worry that if the, if the shooting dries up, do they have, you know, all enough scoring outside of Kyrie and Durant, but yeah, they're everybody's live dog down low. I mean, the other teams have had a good season. It's been disappointing for, obviously, Atlanta that's in the 10th spot right now. Um, but, you know, teams like 5 through 8, Ryan, Bulls, Raptors, Cavs, Hornets, I think they're all just kind of thrilled, to be honest, to be in the mix and, you know, see what happens in the playoffs. I think my one pushback uh, would be the Bulls, just considering how they started. when they true, were. That's straight. true. But, like, preseason, but, I don't think they thought they'd be, you know, this good. I agree with that. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. But yeah, they can't beat a good team recently. I mean, they've no, they can't. They can't. They've taken a step back. The Cavs have cooled off four and six in their last ten, but the uh, the Raptors have kind of put it together. And I'm a big fan of what the kid Scotty Barnes has done. You know, he just yeah, has like, that like attitude that he believes. You know, he belongs. He's got that irrational confidence that you know Marcus Smart type, and he just yeah, yeah. I so, just, I like Scotty Barnes, I like Nick Nurse. It's just hard for me to trust. Siakam to be a big, big player in big moments. I want to see some good matchups right in the playoffs, so I would love to see a Nets Sixers series somehow. You know, I want to see that. Yeah. And honestly, I think the Bucks are in a good position to defend their title. It might not happen, but they're gonna be, they're going to have you're gonna have to beat Giannis four out of seven times, and that is not easy to do. Yeah, and to be honest, I to I think quietly Milwaukee is exactly where they want to be and you know we'll have to see how their depth look comes playoff season I think they're going to miss PJ Tucker for sure but man I'm telling you I think Giannis has that quiet confidence he is not a complacent sort of winner and I would not be surprised come June if they're in the finals again about to win no, I would actually say that, you know, if I was ranking my teams to, and I'm just, just off the top of my head of, of championship, you know, teams right now, it would be, you know, a rematch it would be Suns first right now with what they've done, but the Bucks would be that number two spot. And, yeah. and I would say that if they're in, anywhere in the top four in the seedings in the East, that number wouldn't matter. You know, I, uh, I, I do agree though that, you know, not having, uh, not having PJ Tucker, they may feel that, but they've got they've got some options there, so we'll see. Ryan, this was a pleasure. Uh, last thing, I mean, are you going to be t- all tuned in to uh, WrestleMania Stone Cold's return this week, like I am? I think I'm going to catch bits and pieces yeah. of it. I don't know if I'm going to be able to sit down and watch the whole yeah. thing. I, there's some matches I definitely want to see. Want to see Stone Cold? I'm always up for a Brock Lesnar match, oh, but yeah. I got to look to the card to be honest with you those are the two matches i know yeah there's uh it's it's interesting there's some desperation i feel like with getting stone cold to come back and i just i want to remember him as the all-time great that he is so hopefully it's you know hopefully his health is good and they don't ask him to do uh too much uh but the other match oh the other match too if you're going to catch one other match uh and he's still around pushing 50 but edge and aj Styles should be a good one. Oh, that'll be a good match that'll definitely yeah, be a good they match. finally brought edge back to the dark side he's a bad guy yeah. which is good which is what he was the best at so i think that'll be a good one it's two nights now in dallas jerry world uh two nights i think it was it had to happen eventually it ended up being the last year it was like eight hours so they yeah. had to just break it up because it was just too much Oh, I hear you. One thing I will say, though, before we go, it'll be weird having a Stone Cold Steve Austin match without JR on the call. I know. Gosh, just the best. Some of his best calls are always reliving in my mind. Absolutely. Um, for sure. Ryan Souls, pleasure talking. Some hoops and football with you. We'll be catching Man, up soon. I appreciate you. It was fun. Thanks, bro. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the Money Mitch Effect. Huge thanks again to the fellas, Sean Sullivan and Ryan Souls. And just a reminder that every episode of the Money Mitch Effect catalog can be found on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Just search Money Mitch Effect and it'll pop right up for you. You can check out some exclusive content on the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page and follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21. We'll be back next week to recap March Madness, see who we're crowning the champion there, who has their one shining moment. 
talk more NFL news because you know that's going to keep going and get ready for NBA and NHL playoffs. Cannot wait for that. For Ryan Stoles and Sean Sullivan, I am Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Thank you for listening and keep enjoying sports.